So today is unique and a little bit special for us in the life of our congregation and that we actually have a pastoral candidate who is going to be here at the pulpit sharing what the Lord has placed upon his heart to share. And so we have David Cott and his wife Janet and his daughters Kaylee and Jaden with us and um, we're just so grateful for them to be here. They're uh, from southern Wisconsin. They've been serving at a church in northern Illinois and uh, we're very grateful to have him here. Um, folks, would you please welcome up to the pulpit, David Cott. God bless you, brother. Thank you. Before we get into the word together, it's important that we just share a moment in prayer here. Um, I just want to say this. We prayed this before the service. In a moment like this, there can be kind of this like uh, hypersensitive evaluation uh, let's just set that aside. We're, we're going to get into the Word of God, and He's going to bring what God has brought upon His heart to share. We're not doing this evaluation thing. We're getting into the Word, and we're asking the Lord to speak to our hearts today. Okay? So that's my prayer. Let's get into the Word together, and let's hear what the Lord's placed upon David's heart to share. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this opportunity to get into your Word. Thank you for David and his family and just the process we've been in. And, Lord, as we continue to discern that, we just lift that to you. But right now, we're getting into the word together, and we ask for your blessing and your anointing in that. And we thank you for this time. Please move upon our hearts to receive and respond what it is that you've placed upon David's heart to share with us today. Please have this time. Protect this time. In the spiritual realm, Lord, we ask that you would silence things that the enemy's trying to stir up, that, Lord, you would just cause us to be able to hear clearly from you that where the Spirit of the Lord, there's freedom, and we ask for your Spirit to come and minister to our hearts. Bless David. Lord, I pray that there wouldn't be any nerves right now. He'd just simply share what you've placed on his heart. We lift that to you. We also pray for our children's ministry. Bless their time as they're spending in the Word as well. We just thank you now in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Russ. What a joy and privilege it is for my family and I to be here today. Be able to worship Jesus with you all here this morning. Hey, is that a great thing? Amen? Yeah. Amen. I asked, uh, when Russ asked me what I wanted to preach through, he gave me some chapters. I said, well, Psalm 119, all 176 verses, that'd be okay, right? Have the congregation stand, and then he sent back a gif of a poor godly woman passing out in a pew, and I said, okay, I think I'll stick with Isaiah, so... Here we are. Just a quick little thing about me and my family. As uh, Russ said, um, we currently serve at a church in northern suburbs of Chicago. And we live in southeast Wisconsin. A lot of farmland around us. Um, and by vocational, I'm an insurance agent. So Brian Johnson and I have had, uh, we're going through therapy together. So that's a uh, fantastic thing we have going for us. Amen. <laughs> and uh, two things about being bivocational as a pastor that's one of the top 10 most stressful occupations in this country and an insurance agent was one of the top 10 most distrusted <laughs> occupations in this country and I kid you not so we have that going for us amen <laughs> one of the things is we've been going through the process with pastor Ross the elders and the search team is we've been watching your service here and it has been just an absolute joy, and I'm not just saying that. It has been a joy to be able to see how Jesus and the Holy Spirit is working in and through your church, in and through the leadership, through you all in this congregation here. There's three things that a Christian needs in the Holy Spirit-driven life. Number one is to recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit. You've got to be able to recognize it. Jesus says in John 10, 27, my sheep know my voice, and I know them and they follow me. And you have a pastor here who does that. It was VBS Sunday, and the, day, the night before, Russ shared with us that he was brushing his teeth, getting ready for bed, and he felt the nudging from the Holy Spirit that he needed to have Mark and Terry and their son, Cale, come share what, have been, what the Lord had been doing in their family. He recognized the voice of the Holy Spirit. He heard the voice of the Holy Spirit. He went up to Mark, I believe, the next day, and Mark said, I've been hearing the same thing that we need to share. And then they both obeyed. And the Holy Spirit called an audible. And your pastor followed. 
and it was an amazing Sunday, and he still tied the message that he already had planned in to that whole Sunday. That's how God loves to work, amen? So going through this chapter in Isaiah 55, as I'm reading through it, I'm praying through it, I'm like, Lord, this is the gospel. Well, gee, good call, Dave. Yeah, the gospel's all through this amazing book. That is true. But there's an invitation, there's a call to repentance and receiving, and then there is a redemption in this chapter right here. We're going to perfectly go through here this morning. And I understand that the youth group and my daughters, two of the, thanks for including them, are going on a hiking thing today. So I'll definitely have you out by 3.30 or 4. Cool? Uh, uh, noon. <laughs> but here's the first six verses of Isaiah 55. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear, and come to me. Here, that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant. My steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to peoples, and a leader and a commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and the nation that you do not know shall run to you. Because of the Lord your God, and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. We're going to stop right here. These six, first six verses is an invitation. One of the things you see in here, look for repeated words. I'm probably speaking to the choir here, literally. But as you do Bible study, look for repeated words. And if you see the very first three verses, the word come is repeated five times. So when I see that, I'm like, okay, God really means this. <laughs> He's inviting us, come to me. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, come buy and eat, come buy wine and milk. And then jump into verse 3, incline your ear and come to me. Why does he say that so much? Well, as a music guy myself, I kind of tie things to music, and the Holy Spirit kind of uses that to bring the spiritual cinder block to the head for me, if you will, because that's what it takes. I'm kind of Scandinavian, so sometimes it takes a couple times. And there's a, one of my favorite hymns, Prone to Wander, Lord, I Feel It. Prone to Leave the God I Love. Isaiah 53, all we like sheep have gone astray. There's a pattern. We were born enemies of our Redeemer. <laughs> Once the Holy Spirit opens our spiritual hearts and eyes, if you will, for our, our need for Him, we're still prone to wander. So it is that continual drawing that the Holy Spirit and the Lord and Jesus himself is giving to us. Come to me. Come to me. Come, you who thirst. Come, everyone who is looking for something other than true life and true life abundantly in me. We're going to get into this in a couple verses here. But again, this invitation here in his first six verses of this chapter, right now you are in a divine appointment. Whether you know it or not, God in eternity past predestined, if I can use that word, for you to be sitting here, right here, right now. And those of you maybe watching online, this is your divine appointment that God has set for you. Now, whether you know Jesus as Savior, and I pray to the Lord that you do, if you don't know Jesus as Savior, this is your day of salvation today. And this is your invitation. If your heart's been wandering from him, this is your call back. And there's not a limit. It's limitless. Jesus, when God the Father sent God the Son here, he sent him on a mission to save his people from their sins. Emmanuel, God with us. One of the things I love reading about Jesus in the Gospels is he was always on mission 24-7, and we have an incredible privilege and amazing gift and miracle 
to see three and a half years of Jesus' life and how he did ministry, to model it for us. One of the things we see in John 4 is that land of Samaria, that the Jewish people hated because they weren't 100% Jewish, and they went out of their way to go around Samaria. Jesus went out of his way to go to the heart of Samaria and meet a woman who needed him. A woman who was so dead in her sins, a woman that was so shamed that she didn't go in the early part of the day when it was cooler to go to the well to draw water. She went at the hottest part of the day because she didn't want to face condemnation. Jesus went right for her. He said, why are you drawing water that it's only going to make you thirsty again? <laughs> I love the play of words there that he had with her. It wasn't religion with Jesus. Religion is man's attempt to get to God. And we'll fail every time. There's no way we can build a bridge of that chasm between us and God. But the relationship that Jesus offers to us because of his death on the cross and that glorious, victorious, empty tomb, including us in his victory over sin, death, and Satan. That's the relationship that he's created each one of us for, that one-to-one -one relationship with him. Henry Blackaby has a book, a study book, that we've used in, since over the years. It's called Experiencing God. Some of you may know it. It's an incredible book. And the theme of the book is simply this. God is always moving. God is always working. Through eternity past, through eternity future, and here in the present, and at certain times, he'll give special revelation to us. An invitation to join him, to join his mission, to join his work, to join him in true life so we're not sitting here going around bumbling and stumbling and with our blinders on wondering, what am I here for? Why does this life stink so much at times? Why is life so filled with pain and with sorrow and with hardship? And God gives a special revelation, and that's the crisis of belief that Henry Blackaby talks about. Are you going to follow him? Are you going to take the hand of God or not? Are you going to join him in his work? And that term, crisis of belief, it's kind of ironic because when Jesus is holding out his hand to you to join him, that is the most sure thing that in all of eternity you could ever place your very soul in and know that it's going to be okay. Three weeks ago, we were here. Russ invited us to kind of come under the radar. And we sat right behind Janice. Incredible lady. Thank you for letting me stay. <laughs> she found out I'm from Wisconsin. She's like, oh, yeah, that's even better. Fantastic. And Russ was talking about how we are a big deal to God. Who am I that... God, that you are mindful of me. And I love how he kind of used the message, the Russ version of, you know, save the wretch like me, save the schmuck like me. <laughs> Schmucks like us. Sounds like a new TV reality show. Coming up next, schmucks like us. Stay tuned. For God so loved us, wretches like us, that he sent his only son to die the death that we could not die to pay the price of what we earned in our sins. What do we earn? Death, eternal separation. And here in these first six, six verses here, God is reaching his hand out. Are you thirsty today? Are you longing for more in your life? Some of you, if you wake up and you're having a Life is just going great. Praise the Lord. Seriously, praise God. The Bible says that we are to choose joy, even in the midst of trials and, and temptations and trials and conflicts and all the hardships. Paul says repeatedly, choose joy. <laughs> How can we do that? By the hope of Jesus and the Holy Spirit living in us. The songs we sang today, there is victory in Jesus. We don't have to do a thing. 
you imagine? You know, read these verses here. Come, everyone who thirsts, verse 1, come to the waters. He who has no money, come by and eat. If that's all there was, he who has no money, you who have no money, come by and eat. That's almost a cruel thing. Oh, wait, there's, stuff for, there's a price on these things. And you're saying, you who have no money, you want me to come and buy stuff so that I can eat? Seriously? And then, here's the cool thing. Verse 1a, b. <laughs> come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. It's like that old song. Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to your cross I cling. We can't bring anything. And with Jesus, when he's starting the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. You know what that poor in spirit literally means? Blessed are those who are bankrupt in soul and in spirit. It's calling us blessed. It's calling us blessed through the invitation to come know the fount of every blessing, the well that will not run dry, the well of living water, forgiveness of sins, to be justified, which simply means to be made as perfect as Jesus, reconciliation with God, realizing the, why he created us, not just stick us on this little blue marble in the midst of billions of other galaxies, but that he loved us. John 1.1 talks about the word becoming flesh, and I heard one guy say, the word become flesh, and God moved into the neighborhood. Kind of brings it home. So whether you are an active, if you will, active follower of Jesus, you're walking closely with him, or even if you don't know, and if you don't know, today is the day that I pray that the Holy Spirit will have you know because you can know that you have eternal life. And if you don't know for sure that, that the Holy Spirit would be working on your heart and your spirit right here, right now, this is the most important thing that you can ever come to grips with in your life. Verse 2, God brings it back. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? and your labor for that which does not satisfy. We're trying to use our personal currency that we've created, that we've crafted, to get what God offers for free. We can't buy it. And the currency that we have is like filthy rags in his sight. This is what he's inviting to you. The fullness of life in him for free. Verse 2 reads this, again, the second half. Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. We're already at a trough instead of the banquet table. God has this amazing banquet table for us. I hear that there, there's, a, there's a steakhouse chain in Wisconsin and Illinois. It's called Texas Roadhouse. If I could live there, I would. Just pump that buttery stuff that they put on those rolls. Just put it right in my vein, and I'll be just fantastic. Dallas filet, medium rare, with cheese and grilled mushrooms. That's my jam right there. I hear there's one about an hour or so away. <laughs> so there's a glimmer of hope. <laughs> but it's like God has this Dallas filet. Medium rare, spiced just right, with the jack cheese on it, and the grilled mushrooms. And I keep going to Taco Bell, saying, isn't this awesome? I do like Taco Bell. <laughs> but I'm missing out. And I'm trying to fool myself that the crunch wrap supreme, <laughs> which is pretty tasty, I'm trying to fool myself that that's the Dallas filet that I'm really longing. I know. <laughs> I know it's not. 
Some of you might know the, the book, Program's Progress. Has any of you read through that? If you have access to YouTube, I'm sure a lot of folks here do. Look up Program's Progress. There's a Keith and Kristen Getty animated uh, version on there. It is not hokey animations either. It is really, really well done. And to see it come alive. We, my wife, our family, and I, we have seen it, I kid you not, three, four dozen times minimum in the last year and a half. Whenever we need encouragement, obviously pray God's word, and then Pilgrim's Progress, the, the animated version that we see. And when they get to Vanity Fair, we're the, the hot spot, right? Where everyone's just living for self. And the pride and the arrogance and the vanity, thus the name Vanity Fair, it's running thick. And Christian, and I think it was Faithful, they're trying just to get through it, and they get caught up. One dies for his faith. The other one gets bloodied up for his faith. There's so many people that are stuck in the vanity fair, stuck in the system that this world is saying, God, Jesus, creation, whatever, Bible, higher deity, are you kidding me? No, no, no. It's the here and now. If you can't see, taste, feel, experience, smell, it's not real. It's not worth it. The riches and the way of this world, when people get soaked into it, when they get into it, how many times do we see the celebrities the elite, the people that we're supposed to look up to, they reach the pinnacle of their success and they are miserable or they've suicided themselves, if you will, if that's a word, because the spare was so great that they had no hope. It's like Christian in Pilgrim's Progress being stuck in that, in that cage. No hope, no hope in desperadio. And all you had to do was ask for help. The riches of this world, it's going to leave us emptier and in want even more than when we first got into it. This world system is all about climbing the ladder of success, right? I don't think it's a ladder. I think it's more of a wall. <laughs> ladder is too easy to climb. But a wall, you've got to really look for those little jut out in the rocks for a finger hold and for a foothold. You gotta look, and then you gotta have strength to hold yourself until you see the next spot that you can get yourself up to. And how many people have climbed this wall of success and get to the top only to find they've climbed the wrong wall? And then they have the Homer Simpson moment. Oh! And they think that it's too late for them. And they think that they spent all this time, energy, money. They've spent their relationships, family broken. I've seen it so many times, relationships. You know, marriages breaking. When I used to work for a state farm agent before I went into agency with American Family for seven years. And I spoke with one of the guys when he heard that I wanted to go off on my own, get a bigger piece of the pie, be a business owner. One of the things he told me and my wife, she also was an agent assistant for the same state farm agent I was. And the guy said, let's be up front. It's a 75% divorce rate in the first three years for new agents. Choose. Thank you for telling me. Next. No consideration. No way. And then I was looking to go into law enforcement. Start going down that road. I have a huge respect for our law enforcement officers and for our military. I wanted to be a part of it. I wanted to be able to give back. My wife's health was kind of tanking a little bit. Two young girls, four and under. It'd be great to have you on the Kenosha County Deputy. 
First shift that'll be available for you is graveyard. Can't do it. No, thank you. I want to see my kids grow. I want to spend time with my wife. I didn't want to get to the top of a wall of something that I thought was the be-all, end-all, and find I climbed the wrong wall. I didn't want that. By the grace of God, I didn't want that. Verse 3. The first part of verse 3 here. Check this out. Read with me, if you would. I'm reading from the ESV. Some of you might have a different version, but I think it, the idea obviously gets the same. Incline your ear. You know what that incline your ear means? It literally means pay attention. And this is God talking, God himself, because if you see verse 1, you see the quotations. So God himself, God himself is speaking. Pay attention, incline your ear, and come to me. It almost sounds like our very soul depends on it, right? Because it does. What does it say? Incline your ear, come to me, here, that your soul may live. He's cutting right to the quick here. This is how important it is. This is a matter of an eternal matter of your soul. We see in the book of Revelation, the first few chapters, the letter to the seven churches. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. That same statement from Jesus himself being spoken in Revelation is for this church here at Faith Community. He or she who has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to Faith Community Church. He or she who has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to LifeBridge Community Church in Wakanda, Illinois. It's this important, folks. And verse 5 this is the grafting of us as Gentiles, the non-Jewish people. This is the grafting of us into the promise that the Lord has given to the Jewish people. We are now included in that promise. Now we have the hope and the gift of eternal life, being children, sons, daughters of God. The moment you become a son or a daughter of God, you are now a prince. You are now a princess. And Jesus is your brother. Amen? Man, when I mess up at times, and I sin, ouch, it's like, wow, Lord. <laughs> How can, you know, and it's, it's that part of shame. It's the conviction, thank the Lord, that the Holy Spirit's given me in my heart. And when I repent, Immediate restoration. Immediate. He had already forgiven me. When God the Father looks at me, he sees the robe of Jesus. He didn't see the stupid thing I just said or did. Boggles my mind. How can you see Jesus when I just said and did that, Lord? My ways are not your, your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts, Dave. Thank you. Verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. There is an urgency in this statement. Call upon him while he is near. Because you know what the inference is here? The real inference? There will be a time when he will not be near. There will be a time when he cannot be found. Your death. It's game over. And just being straight with you. This isn't trying to emotionally manipulate. This is just laying it out straight for you folks. The last two years since March of 2020, has anyone noticed kind of a, a shift? <laughs> a weirdness going on? The world has been turned inside out, upside down, and kicked around, and we're supposed to figure it out going forward. Well, you know what? Those of us who have Jesus as Savior, he's already got it figured out. And you know what? He is the one that predestined this happening. Read Revelation. You'll get, it. You'll get you up to speed. My wife and I know of 142 people since March 
of 2020 who had either died or have serious illnesses now after being hospitalized. 21 of those people have left this world. The under, excuse me, the other 121 people are seriously ill and have lasting effects. This is just, this isn't even in the last two and a half years. It's like two and a quarter years. Did those people know, those 21 people that we know, did they know when they woke up that day that was going to be their last day here on earth? No. God is the one who appoints the time when we, when our celestial time clock, if you will, will be punched. He is the only one. Wow, Dave, well, thanks for the encouragement. What do you got next? I'm glad you asked. Verses 7 through 11. Let the wicked forsake his ways, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, that he may have compassion on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Amen? That's God saying, no one's like me, no one's above me, no one's better than me, no one comes close to me. No one. I am the only Most High. You have these incredible names of God. It's just some of them on these, on these boards back here. This is all part of our hope, folks. When we get weighed down by stuff in this life, when we get weighed down by possible more lockdowns, more whatever. In Luke, it says this, Jesus himself, when you see these things begin to converge, look up for your redemption draws near. Look up. That's where our hope is found, hey? I want to make sure that I'm staying on time here. We're going to kind of go through the rest of this quickly. But I've heard a pastor say, what's the goal, if you will, and that's a poor term to use, but what's the motivation that we are to live in our Christian life? To sin less? No. That's a works-based theology. That's religion. That's man trying to get to God. That's the Tower of Babel. But rather, it's to repent quickly when we are convicted by the Holy Spirit. It's to be walking in such lockstep with Jesus that when we know we have broken one of his commandments, grieve the Spirit, if you will, the Holy Spirit convicts us and we recognize his voice. We listen to his voice and then we obey his voice and we repent and we get right back in lockstep with our Savior. Thorough, sincere repentance is required for salvation. Completely turning away from our sin and turning back to Jesus. It's as simple as that. When Jesus died on the cross in our place, God the Father got justice. Jesus gives us mercy. He gives us grace. And I heard someone say, What's, we have this Bible study at our house on Sunday nights for the, some people in the community. And so many dear people, they truly become like our family. And we talk about a lot of different things from prophecy to just going through Psalms, going through Gospels, you know, like Luke's point of view, <laughs> the book of Mark going through spiritual warfare stuff. And they said, you know, what's the difference between mercy and grace? 
It's like, wow, good, good question. Let me fast forward to here. Here it is. Justice, getting what you deserve. Mercy, not getting what you deserve. And grace is getting what you don't deserve. I had a systematic theology professor, Dr. Marvin Mayer, at Moody Bible Institute. And mercy and grace, he said, quick theology lesson, here you go. Theology 101, God gives mercy to the meek and grace to the guilty. Next! Okay, I'll write that down. And obviously it's stuck. <laughs> but isn't this amazing? Mercy, we're not getting what we deserve. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a schmuck like me. The message version, I think, is what it is. But that grace, getting what I don't deserve. Reconciliation with God. Justification. Eternal life. When Jesus left, what did he tell us? What were some of the last words he said? Go and make disciples. Here we go, 8 and 9. Once we place our entire faith and trust in Jesus, we receive the robe of righteousness from Jesus himself, and then we spend the rest of our lives and eternity learning about God. Here on earth, it's called sanctification. And even in glory, when we're with him, when we're reigning with him, in the new heaven and the new earth, <laughs> we're still, it's going to take all of eternity and then some just to start learning about God. It's going to be amazing, folks. And one really cool thing, we had a great potluck here yesterday. Thank you for all those who brought the food. And this kind of, I was tempted just to place a table, you know, my chair right at the table there. As amazing as that potluck was, there's a huge potluck waiting for us in heaven. It's called the wedding feast. Need to, be, need to be there. I think that an appetizer is going to be a Dallas filet. I can't imagine what the main course is going to be. But here's our receiving. We repent, and then this is what we get. There's the pamphlet that we have at our church, in, uh, our home church, and it's 40 things that God gives to you immediately. And there's more. But the moment you receive Jesus as Savior, there's 40 things that happen to you. And it, just, to, just to start. So God's appeal to us here in 8 and 9, his ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts than our thoughts. It's God's appeal to us to exchange our sinful, earthly thoughts and ways for his infinitely magnificent and mobile, noble thoughts and ways. Again, it's going to take us all of eternity just to, just to start getting just the tip of the iceberg of it. It's going to be amazing, folks. When Russ and I were chatting last month, he said, you got to buy, go online, buy, show me the Father. We did. First time, it bowled me over. Conviction City, man. Mayor. <laughs> We showed it again just this last Sunday night to our Bible study group. Knocked me off my feet again. <laughs> and simple realization is this, folks. If you have Jesus as Savior, you don't need to worry. You're in a hand that will never let go. The thing that really struck me out of showing me the Father is when one of the Kendrick brothers says, when we finally realize that everything that happens to us is filtered through our Father's hands, that makes all the difference. Go make disciples. So we got the invitation. We received it and so much more. An eternal life with Jesus. We've repented. Now go make disciples. I've got over 22 years in vocational sales. I've got thick skin for sales. As I shared with the elders the other night, I need to have thicker skin in ministry because words matter. 
you know, but watermelon in the ears, it's an old sales technique. Don't, don't listen to the objection. But here's the thing with sales, you gotta know, that you gotta number one, let them know that you care, that you're truly looking out for what their needs are. Number two, that you have a solution to their needs, to their hot buttons, their most pressing issues. And you're not there just to make the sale, but you're there truly to get them a solution to the issues and problems that they're following and experiencing. So stay with me here, but evangelism is nothing more than the ultimate incredible sales job, and here's why. You have no quota. In sales, like I've been in, you're only as good as your last sale. Isn't that comforting? What do you got for me tomorrow, Dave? What do you got in the pipeline? What are you closing? What does Jesus want us to do? Just be bird dogs. Spread the seed. The Holy Spirit's the closer. We're just supposed to go out and tell because we're doing this for an amazing response in us, knowing that what we have been saved from. We have been saved from the wrath of God for eternity, experiencing that. But instead, having Jesus been poured the wrath of God on him in our place so that we may live with him. That's what we're to share. It's an amazing thing. And it takes all the pressure off, folks, when you don't have to close it. All you got to do is share it. Spread the seed. I think we might have a farmer in here, maybe. <laughs> Probably a whole lot of you. Your occupation depends on God. Without him, all you can do is spread the seed. He's got to do all the rest. 12 and 13. It's redemption and it's restoration. It is our future victory. You know what? Can you do me a favor? Can you just oblige me real quick? Can you stand for the reading of these last two verses here? For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall make a name for the Lord. For him only, people. It won't make a name for us. It makes a name for him only. Amen? An everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you for doing that for me. Collective believers... The redeemed in Jesus. This is us going into our future eternal joy. No more sorrow. No more tears. Creation has been restored as to what God had originally created to be. Perfect. And without sin's curse in it. Amen? Sin's curse is gone. This is why we sing to Jesus. This is why we love Jesus with our souls as if our very souls depend on it because it does. This is what he's called us to if we just accept his invitation. As I close here, something I just want to read to you folks. It's an old song. During my devotions this last week, came across this with the whole Vanity Fair thing, you know, living in a rat race, going after stuff that doesn't have any kind of eternal importance, not leaving an eternal legacy to our next generation, to our kids, to our grandkids. It's a song sung by Rosemary Clooney, Have I Stayed Too Long at the Fair? I wanted the music to play on forever. Have I stayed too long at the fair? I wanted the clown to be constantly clever. Have I stayed too long at the fair? I bought me blue ribbons to tie up my hair. I couldn't find anybody to care. The merry-go-round is beginning to taunt now. Have I stayed too long at the fair? The music has stopped. The children must go now. Have I stayed too long at the fair? Oh, mother dear, I know you're very proud. Your little girl in gingham is so far above the crowd. No, daddy dear, you never could have known. 
that I would be successful, yet so very much alone. I wanted to live in a carnival city. Vanity Fair, anyone? I wanted to live in a carnival city with laughter and love everywhere. I wanted my friends to be thrilling and witty. I wanted somebody to care. I found my blue ribbons all shiny and new, but now I discover them no longer blue. The merry-go-round is beginning to taunt me. Have I stayed too long at the fair? There's nothing to win, and there's no one to want me. Have I stayed too long at the fair? As a guy that breaks my heart. <laughs> Couldn't find anyone to care. So much, so much, very much alone. I wanted somebody to care. There's nothing to win and no one to want me. Someone who rose to the top of their profession, Rosemary Clooney, singing these words. Ouch. She got to the top and realized she was on the wrong wall. And then compare it to this. If I had done some research a little bit more, I probably could have figured out who wrote this. I'm sure some of you may even know once I start reading the words to this hymn. Notice the stark difference between Rosemary Clooney and this dear person here, his dear brother or sister. The longer I serve him. Since I started for the kingdom, since my life he controls. Since I gave my heart to Jesus, the longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. The more that I love him, the more love he bestows. Each day is like heaven. My heart overflows. <laughs> the longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. Every need he's supplying, plenteous grace he bestows. Every day my way gets brighter. The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. The more that I love him, the more love he bestows. Each day is like heaven. My heart overflows. The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. Where are you at? Which one resonated more with you in your heart? If the first one did, there is hope for you. Here's the, here's the cool thing, folks. When Jesus has got you in his grip, he's got you. He gave up his life for you to make sure that you're in his grip. So when you feel like you're lost, you're lost inside his hand, folks. Go to prayer. Go to his word. Go to his people. That's where you'll find that well of water that you will never thirst again from. As I close this out, again, just want to real quick, I love this. You guys have this on your website. Pastor Russ goes through this every service. If you don't know Jesus as Savior, A, admit, acknowledge you're a sinner. Repent. Romans 3.23, everyone has sinned and we all fall short of God's glory. What are the wages for our sin? Death. Yikes. But you know what? You can escape that. And here's how. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. We're called to repentance. 2 Corinthians 7, chapter 7, verse 10. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Psalm 30, 11. You turned my sorrow you turned my mourning, Lord, into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy, clothed me with the robe of righteousness from Jesus himself. B, 
believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died for your sins on that cross, that he rose again from the dead. And this is trusting with your whole heart that Jesus, said he, that Jesus is actually who he said he is. Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's a promise. You will be saved, dear brother, dear sister. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And then last, call upon the name of the Lord. Romans 10, 13, for everyone, not some, not for those that are Jews and those that maybe paid something extra or did something cool in God's eyes, no. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you can know without a doubt that you will be spending eternity in heaven with Jesus. Amen? Let's close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray you made sense from this guy from Wisconsin today. Thank you for the privilege of being able to speak from your word, Lord. Thank you for your love for me. Thank you for your love for everyone here in this room, everyone listening online. And again, I pray that your Holy Spirit is opening the eyes of someone that, didn't, that came here today unsure or unprepared for that time when you punch their celestial time clock and they breathe their last. And when they stand before God the Father, will they have Jesus as their sin bearer? I pray that this was the day of their salvation for them. And let them not leave here until they talk to Pastor Russ or someone else here, a trusted dear brother, dear sister who has Jesus Savior in this room, or even this guy from Wisconsin here. I'd be more than happy, any of us, to lead them home to you, Jesus. This is what this life is about. Placing our faith and our trust in you and going forth in joy. Join the journey with you. We love you and we trust you, Jesus. In your name, amen.